All right, so we're recording a new episode of The Cute Chat. Um, This one I'm going to entitle Go Conquer, and I have a great, awesome person. His name is Mr. William Poole, and he organized a great movement called Addiction Matters. And I want to just go ahead and give him the floor so he can start off and tell you guys everything and what this is about. So how are you doing today, Will? I'm good. How about yourself? Doing great. So just start off and, you know, let's just start this off by telling everybody that's listening, just give us the history first off on Addiction Matters, how you got to this journey. Just fill everybody in with that first. Okay. Addiction Matters was uh, started back in 2016 and it actually came about uh, due to the nature of my addiction. Um, I started abusing drugs and alcohol at the age of nine and uh, I always was throughout my life looking for my calling, looking for my purpose, and I was more addicted to the street, more addicted to the lifestyle. I didn't want to be of any service to anything or anyone, but throughout the course of my addiction, it led me into prison. It led me to become homeless, um, had my marriage on the verge of divorce several times. Um, led me to numerous rehabs, numerous trips to um, the hospital because of an apparent overdose that I suffered so many times I lost count. Mm -hmm. And then um, I actually realized that this was my calling because Mm -hmm. I had, I felt I had hands-on experience that was um, taking over the nation by storm, addiction. And um, so I would often hear people tell me, man, you, you, there's an anointing on your life. There's a calling on your life. God wants to use you. And, you know, I constantly heard it. I heard it. Mm-hmm. I heard it. I heard it. And I had remember being, I had to be about, I had to be about maybe about six, maybe about 16 or 17 and, I remember being um, on the block, mm-hmm. uh, in the in the in the trap spot, and I'm on side the house. It's a drug infested house. This is where we sell drugs at. And I remember being in that spot right there. They must have had maybe about eleven of us that was hanging on this block at this particular time of day selling drugs right mm-hmm. and there was a woman she used to be a school teacher of mine and um i seen her coming now mind you i hadn't seen this lady since i was like in the second grade i'm i'm 16 17 years old at the time and she come walking up the street because the church was evangelizing on the corner you know they used to come around there hoping to pray all these drug dealers and these drug users off this street, off this block, give the the residents their home back, their peace back, right? And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sitting actually in the alley with my head down. I have my head bent down. I'm stooped down. I'm stooping down. My head is bent down. This woman bypassed all of these people. She comes in the alley and taps me on my shoulder and said, excuse me, sir, can you Mm. come and talk with me? Right? Wow. Now, all of these people 
they just you you didn't pass up. You had to pass up <laughs> ten of them to right. get to get to me. You passed them up, tapped me on my shoulder when I raised up. When I looked up in in her face, my eyes bust wide open because I knew I'm like that was my this my teacher. But she didn't mm. she didn't recognize me though because like I said wow. I didn't grow up. But anyway, man, she walked me to the corner. And I'm listening to him evangelize and he talk. Well, I end up at the church that same night, right? I end up at the church that same night. And uh, the following Sunday, I was being baptized, right? Oh, wow. So it was so crazy because, remind you, I was rebellious. This, Mm -hmm. nah, nah, I'm not trying to get involved in none of this. I'm not trying. But anyway... I ended up there, right? And mm-hmm. and I think that was the beginning of, you know, the direction that I was going to head in because at that point I love I love the 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 approach that they had and as well as the they were very persuasive in, you know, getting me to come and um they they spoke well, they articulated their words well. Um, they impressed me the way they carried themselves, right? And, mm-hmm. and and how such of a strong force they was united. And I was connected to that type of force too, but it was a it was a bad type of force. They had power as well, and but it was utilized in a different way. And I think that was the beginning of you know me wanting to do right, but. You know, like they said, when you want to do right, evil is always right there besides right. you. And so I began to experience that. And then later on in life, um, I got into more heavier drugs. I ended up using the heroin. And throughout this whole time, I'm battling, going back and forward. Do I want to be a man of righteousness? Mm. Do I want to live the life that I'm living? Mm-hmm. And so... I'm getting more and more addicted to the life and the streets and the drugs. But at the same time, I'm praying. At Mm. the same time, I'm building my relationship up with God, so I think, right? Well, not, 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 I'm not going to say so I think, but I'm building it up with him. and Mm -hmm. And at the same time, I'm building it up with the streets. So Mm. I'm in a tug of war. I'm, I'm, right, I'm, right. I'm tussling. Which way do I go? Which way do I go? And uh, and through that, at 27, I ended up using heroin, and that took me to some places I thought I'd never go in. And I began to get beat. I called it. Well, let me let's bear back. So I know I definitely want to get to. I know you said you as I follow your platform, obviously, and you mentioned just struggling with heroin abuse, which if people are not familiar, just from research that I've looked at, they said heroin is like one of the worst drugs, like as far as like once you, once it hooks you, it's like one of the worst ones to like recover from. We can touch on that. But one interesting thing that you said, and I learned from watching your show is that you said, and you mentioned that yesterday, um, and we'll talk about how people can watch your show, but you mentioned yesterday how you started drug use at age nine. So can you like give people like that haven't followed you that's new to learning about your journey? Just how did that start at age nine? Well, at the age of nine years old, what it was was my grandfather and my grandmother both stayed 
at the house with me, my mom, my siblings, and my. And tell people too that's unfamiliar that you know that you are from. You, this, tell them where yeah, you're from, too, I, so they know. Okay, that. I'm I'm from New Orleans, born and raised, mm-hmm. born mm-hmm. and raised. I uh, grew up on the West Bank. I went to school on the West Bank. And mm-hmm. so I was on both sides of the bridge. I mean, all throughout mm-hmm. the city. And mm-hmm. um, but at the age of nine, um, I began fondling, tampering with alcohol. And see, mm-hmm. I had so much access to it because see, my grandfather, he was a moonshine peddler. See, mm-hmm. so he sold moonshine. So we always had alcohol in the house. Always mm. right, and, right. And, and and back back then, we used to have that what we used to call blue label Thunderbird and red label Thunderbird, and you know, mm-hmm. and my my I, I could I could get a bottle, I could take it outside to the kids, and oh mm. man, we sipping on that there, we acting crazy, you know, <laughs> and so I'm like this popular kid, right, and and and, and here I am in the fifth grade. I'm, I'm, I remember being at the, in the fifth grade, no, fourth grade, and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm bringing little bottles. I'm bringing little half of pints to school. Mm. Everybody looking for Will. Everybody, wow. looking, man, you got that, you got, what you got? You got that blue label, the red label, right? So I, I became popular with it, but not knowing, you know, the effects that it was having on me because it was at my disposal. I mean, I had complete access to it. And, um, and plus, we would always, when we catch a cold, my grandmother and them they had these old remedies, a hot toddy, you know, mm-hmm. pour some liquor in it with a little lemon and uh, some honey. But what I didn't realize was that this was taking me over. And, and right. And for people that's not familiar in New Orleans, that is a thing. Like, they yeah. would treat us with whiskey, yeah. to be honest. Like, I know when I had a toothache, my mom would take cotton, stick it in whiskey. Now you know I was you give whiskey to a child. What what is that going to do? Is going to knock right you know? exactly. So just for people that's wondering, what's the hot and tidy? That's when you put a little tip of whiskey <laughs> and whatever you know, a little liquid, and boom. Right. <laughs> that was the treat. That was it. And so this over this time, man, I became, um, you know, active in drinking, and uh, you know, I, I continued to grow. And then before you know it, a uh, partner of mine came around with some weed. And so now we smoking weed, we drinking a little wine, and gradually it continued to grow. And before it even got paired, actually before it got to the weed, I kicked it with the cigarettes because my grandmother mm-hmm. would ask, "Hey, she used to call me Jigaboo, right? She used to call me Jig or Jigalo. Can you Jig? Jig? Mm-hmm. Can you go 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 like grow more cigarette from it?" And so when she would ask me to go like a cigarette on the stove. Well, you know, I got to puff that, right? I got to put my mouth down. I got to put my mouth on it, and I got I got to mm-hmm. put it to the fire, and I'm pulling it. So after a few times of doing that, my cousins and them they used to be like, "Oh, I ain't smoking that," but for some reason, I be I I used I be I, I took a liking to all the stuff you say, "Oh, to," or all the right. stuff you say, "Oh, no, I ain't gonna do that." That made me want to do it more. So know why? Because I wanted to show you. Oh, I could do it. I could do it. Mm-hmm. You saying, "Uh, you will never do that." Well, I'm gonna show you. I do that, and and gradually, man, you know, from the from the wine to the cigarettes, then came the weed. And I remember hitting my first pull of weed and thinking, like, "Wow, you know, 
paranoid and I didn't have the effects that I would get as I got older. And then I was introduced to the crack. Well, we call them uh, geeks. Well, they would they mm-hmm. roll the weed up and the crack up together, roll it up and smoke it, call it a primo. Or you will take and roll that crack up with some tobacco and you smoke it, you know? And, and mm. I remember getting that first urge. I never forget. I had to be at least 12 at this time. And we wow. was on the expressway. My friend and I had took his mom call late at night. She didn't know. It was about 1.30 in the morning. Now here we trying to go to a club. I'm 12 years old. I never, I never mm. forget it. Club James in Marrero. I never forget it. And we trying to go to this club. And um, we had the light on the corner of the West Bank Expressway on the west side, West Bank of New Orleans and Ames Boulevard. And I lit it. And when I lit it, while the light was still red, I remember smoking it. And before that light could turn green and, 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 and pull off and go at least 10 yards, I asked him, did he have some more? I wanted more wow. of it, right? And mm-hmm. that was it. That was the start of an addiction that would that I would mm-hmm. come to know what it will do to you. Because from that point forward, it was some form of drug that I had to have, whether it was coke, whether it was PCP, whether it was pills, whether it was weed, whether it was alcohol, if it will alter my mind, if it would alter my mind, I had to have mm-hmm. it. And then I became obsessed right. with masturbating at a young age mm-hmm. because it, mm-hmm. it, certain drugs stimulated me in that way. And then I started mm-hmm. realizing I would get that same feeling, you know, as I was getting high when I masturbated, you know, when I saw older mm-hmm. women, you know, so I began mm-hmm. to indulge in wicked, toxic behavior, man. And these things, you know, I battled, you know, up until the present day and time of my life, you know, because I, I went mm-hmm. in, I had them when got clean on several different occasions. I've been mm. in so many rehabs, man. I mean, like people will ask me, you know, now, like, what's the difference? You know, mm-hmm. and I would often tell them, we'll find out. We'll find out because, see, back then, I would tell people what they want to hear. You know, I blow Mm -hmm. smoke up your ass just just because I know you want to hear something. So and because I'm going to say it because it sounds good. Right. My wife, my wife Mm -hmm. would ask me, family, whatever. Well, okay, this is your 10th trip to the rehab. What make what what makes this time different from you? And I'll be like, oh, I've been submitting my life to God. I trust Him. I believe that this is it. You know, this is over with. I'm not gonna do this here. I'm not gonna do that. And I, I've learned this time. But you see, I say that before. I say that the pride nine times that I went. So so now mm. when I'm asked that question, I look at whoever may ask me, what's the difference now? I look them in the eye mm-hmm. and I let them know and I tell them, we're going to have to find out. We're going to have mm-hmm. to find out. But I can tell you that right now, today, I have no desire to use. What tomorrow may bring, I have no idea. But today, I have no desire to use. And so that's mm-hmm. my difference. I don't, I don't, I'm not into right. telling people what they want to hear. 
no more. Yeah. And see, that's mm-hmm. how I used to live my life, though. You know, I used to believe, I used mm-hmm. to believe if I could tell you something that you won't hear, we'll be good. And as, a, and a, and right. as an addict, all I want to do is tell my wife the right thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> because right. she, mm-hmm. she, she has heard it all. You feel me? So right. all, mm-hmm. all I want to do, I just want to keep my marriage. I just want to keep my marriage. So, so, so understand that if I want to keep that marriage, I'm going to see whatever it is I got to see, you know, to right. keep that. Mm-hmm. But mind you, in the back of my mind, it's all phony, man. It's just, it's just to mm. get back in the house, get the keys back to the car, get a, get a little mm-hmm. truck. That's all. That's all. But see, now today, she'll tell you herself, you know, I'm a, she, she, she have to tell me. I mean, she tell me all the time. She say, babe, man, you, you don't realize how different you are. I say, am I? She say, you all, you, you all, you different. I say, well, you know, I'm just walking. I'm, that's all I'm doing. I'm just walking. I don't say what I'm doing from this day to that day. You know, I don't say, I don't say mm-hmm. what no difference is. What's going to be different this time? What I'm going to do different this time? I just walk. That's it. That's it. Mm. Now, I know you mentioned you started at age nine. Now, I know like some people who have dealt with addiction, you know, we talk about it a lot on my show, just basically childhood trauma, things Mm. like that nature. Like we do a lot of things to mask trauma that we went through, you know, that we haven't received proper therapy or just had anyone to talk to was there any like trauma and I know you touched on a lot of in the past can you like fill us in on do you feel like there was a tie with trauma that you experienced and that definitely was it definitely was because Mm -hmm. I I experienced firsthand uh molestation by uh, a male uh who was a friend of the Mm -hmm. family um I experienced Mm -hmm. molestation by uh, a family member, female family member, as well as a female friend of the family. So I was, I was, mm-hmm. I was exposed at a young age to a lot of sexual content. You feel me? I was right. held down against my will uh, by uh, mm-hmm. a male friend of the family and uh, molested. You know, um, mm. as a child, I remember that day so vividly. You know, I I, I, I mean, mm-hmm. I see it as I talk about it. I can see it, and um, you know, mm-hmm. and I've, I and I used to always say when I got older, you know, I was going to approach him. I, I mean, you know, I I used to have it. I mean, I had it all planned out when I got to a point where I was big enough, strong enough. You know, right. but here I'm, I'm a child. You know, I, I had to be, I think, like mm-hmm. about seven or eight at the time when this happened. And I used to always say right. when I got older, you know, um, uh, I'm going to bring that karma back around to him. You know, he's going to pay the price for what he did. Right, but right. He ended up in prison, you know, and uh, he ended up mm. in prison and actually on death row. Uh, now he was on death row. Now he has a life sentence um, in prison, wow. you know. And mm-hmm. and then it was some women, you know, that uh, molested me um, sexually, mm-hmm. you know, that exposed me to them and allowed me to fondle them and 
touch on them in ways that I shouldn't have been able to. They touched on me in ways that they should. So Mm -hmm. with the woman part versus the man, I became, um, I became versus the man doing it. I became in a way to where, you know, I felt shame. I felt powerless. I felt, I felt nasty. Mm -hmm. I felt dirty. I felt unclean, Mm -hmm. you know, and these are things that I had never disclosed to my parents, to family until I was up in age. I was in my forties. I'm 46. Now I had to be about 41, 42 Mm -hmm. when I first broke the story. When I first told him, right. you know, when I first told my wife, you know, and, and, mm. and because I was going through some counseling sessions uh, while I was in a rehab and, and, and I actually broke mm-hmm. it to a counselor, you know, and it was like, you know, you need to, you need to, you need to talk about it. Right. Because right. I, mm-hmm. I, 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 I was holding a lot, a lot of anger, a lot of bitterness in, you know, and, and. It, it it led to more using to where, you know, I began to mask my emotions and my feelings because I never right. really wanted to deal with it. But then from the woman, you know, doing that to me, this and that, it was like an enjoyment, right? It was like I felt, mm-hmm. it, I felt grown. They made me feel grown. Right. They made me get a feeling. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I caught a feeling from, 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 you know, them fondling with me and, 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 and uh, sexually arousing me and those those manners to where it became addicting and I didn't even know it, you know, because I would find myself mm-hmm. as a young child. All I wanted to do was masturbate. All I wanted to do was masturbate. That's it, you know, and that mm-hmm. shit mm-hmm. carried on uh, to up through my adulthood, you know, but I never could figure mm-hmm. out why. You know, would I I get like this? You know, and but mm-hmm. that was uh, some of the reasons why, you know, I would be so sexually active, you know, in the way that I am right. because of what I experienced, what they introduced me to. You know, they introduced me to that life, and and as a child, I became you know, I became infatuated. I became fascinated by the fact that I could reach this climax. And I could feel good about mm-hmm. it, you know, right. Right, a high, a high is a high. And then mm-hmm. to see them expose mm-hmm. themselves to me. And I remember going to tell my friends, like, you know, I'm, I'm bragging on this. You know what I mean? I'm bragging on this because I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, I got interaction with an older woman, you know. And so right. I became in a way to in a way to such to where I was like sexually exotic to where I'm going to watch porn. I won't watch videos, you know. Um, if I if I look at this woman, I'm going off and masturbate. I remember getting caught in the classroom, second grade, masturbating under my desk, under the desk, you know, and mm-hmm. things like that. I remember getting caught mm-hmm. by my mama laying on the sofa. I had to be about nine or ten, you know, openly just masturbating. But these are things that I seen, and mm-hmm. then I had my father, who was married to my mama, you know, trauma to where with him pulling out a gun on my mama, you know, telling her that mm. you know, she, he would kill her. I told you if you if you, mm-hmm. if you want to leave, the only way you're going to leave me was in a body bag. And, you know, I, I witnessed that. I witnessed my dad having sex with another woman while I'm actually laying in the bed on side of him, right? 
and they having sex. Wow. So I'm seeing all of that and, 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 and things of that manner. And my aunt, she has porn, and I'm watching porn at her house. We got access to the videos. And mm-hmm. Me and my cousins and them, we sitting there watching it. We jerking off. Now, mind you, I'm, all, mm-hmm. of the, all of these things are occurring between the age of 7 and 11. I'm, I am, wow. I'm, I'm, I'm experiencing, I'm indulging in some behaviors no child should be indulging in, right. you know? And so those mm-hmm. are some of the things that I experienced, you know, uh, as a young child. Uh, and then I found myself, I'm 13 and, you know, now I'm, I'm, I'm getting cracked to go find older women who, who, who smoke drugs, mm-hmm. right? Because I hear that, right. you know, these prostitutes are doing things for drugs. So I'm putting myself in all kind of danger, you know. I'm putting myself in all kind mm-hmm. of danger. And I still haven't seek counseling on what's going on because, you right. know, why? I'm too shamed. I'm too, I'm too. Mm-hmm. And then I, and did you feel like, and at the time, did you like have, did you even realize it was wrong? No. You know what I'm saying? Well, you were a child. So did you even associate the, or connect that the this only was wrong thing at the I time? I felt and knew was wrong was when the guy held me down and inserted himself in my rear end. That was the only thing mm-hmm. I knew and felt was wrong. But with the women, I felt mm-hmm. it was right. I, I honestly, at that time. And I'm glad I you touched on right. that. I'm glad you touched on that because I think a lot of times people don't realize that women, number one, can sexually sexually abuse children. I think for some reason we don't correlate. Women are predators too. You know, a predator is a predator, male or female. If you overpower anyone that you can overpower and intimidate and make feel bad, I mean, a woman a woman can definitely be a predator and I think that's something we don't realize and I'm glad you touched on that because just like it's in the media now, just like a lot of men have come out and say women have abused them and it just seems like unfortunately these women get away with it because no one really wants to talk about the fact that women can be Mm -hmm. sexual predators too and like you said it's something that makes a child feel like, okay, well, this is a woman this is the opposite sex so it's okay and it's just as bad you know, so I'm so happy that you mentioned that because there's a lot of men that have these stories, but they're confused. Or like you said, with any sexual abuse, even with women, like we all carry shame and discussing it, you know, or just facing the fact that that happened. There's a lot of shame involved. So I'm so happy that you mentioned that too for men that listen, you know, they really need to hear someone that's mm-hmm. honest, you know, and that's transparent right. and with what they it's, went it's, through. It's, you know, you see it often. And a lot of a lot of young guys, you know, mm-hmm. they don't want to talk about it because it's like, okay, who wants to say, right? I'm a male, right? Who wants to say she raped me? Mm-hmm. You know, how would that sound like? Right, you know what right. I mean? And so many people, you know, they mm-hmm. make joke of it. They may they may they may make joke, make uh, light of it. Oh man, that woman ain't raped. You let you you want to talk about nah, but but see the effects, the long term of the long term effects. That is going to have because let me tell you, had I known what I know now, if I would have known what I know then, I would have said something then because look, look at the risk. I mean, I used to pick up prostitutes, right. right? And have sex with them with no rubble. 
Let him let him give me a blue job. Mm-hmm. No rubber. You feel me? I'm t- I'm telling mm-hmm. you, I was 13, 14 right. years old. Let me tell you, honestly, God, man, I didn't wow. hear gonorrhea so many times, man. You know, now just think. Mm-hmm. It only take one time to catch HIV or syphilis. You know what I'm saying? Right. But see, mm-hmm. I was obsessed right. with the climax of the masturbation. I just wanted that feeling. You feel me? So I put myself in jeopardy right. so mm-hmm. many times. So many times, man. I could have right. been caught HIV or AIDS. I could have been caught syphilis or herpes. Thank God. It was just kind of real every time. But the fact of the matter is, it was mm-hmm. repeatedly. I would go out there, get burnt. Next month, I'm burnt again. The following month, I'm burnt again. You know why? Mm-hmm. Because I'm taking these little rocks, right? If I can't meet a woman and I can get some right. sex right then and there, well, I know where I could go get off at. I know I know, I could go ride up one mm-hmm. of these strips and find one of these prostitutes, and I'm going to get it right then and there. Right. And I, be, I started indulging in that, man. So when I think of what they did, I put they put me at risk, mm-hmm. man. You know, I began jeopardizing my life, my health. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Chasing the high. Definitely. Now, I know you mentioned, you know, obviously you told us about just this journey as a child. Now, I know you said at 27 is when you started using heroin. So where did, you know, like how did you get to that stage? And I know, like, just touching on your childhood, and I know you mentioned the story of the teacher when you were about a teenager. So what led to that stage in life where you kind of, you know, had it in your mind and maybe try and get past this and then up to 27 when you started using heroin? I know you mentioned prison and everything. When did you get to the point where you tried, you know, to get off these drugs? But, you know, you obviously had to struggle. So Man, that what journey was, that journey was like? a roller coaster. That journey was up and down you know it's crazy because guess what for the first time right my son asked me about some things this morning he asked me about right um Mm. because my my addiction was so so bad you know to where my wife ended up in federal prison in federal prison you know behind my Mm -hmm. foolishness behind my lack of leadership Behind my lack of being a man, mm-hmm. lack of being a husband, lack of being a father, right? Because I was doing so much of stealing and mm-hmm. robbing and taking, it led her to, you know, alter some paperwork, you know, to try to see if we could get mm-hmm. a little extra money, not knowing that, you know, it was going to cost her. You know what I'm saying? But mind you, that would right. have never been, that wouldn't have never happened had I been lined up had the head had the head been right. in line because there's truth that when the head mm-hmm. is out of line everything else behind him out of line right because i'm the head and i'm not oh, the yeah. tail mm-hmm. so i'm supposed to be the leading provider right. of my family my family follow me as i follow god right well that wasn't the case mm-hmm. and so you know, my son talked, asked me about that this morning. Was like, Dad, you know, you know, <clears throat> how was it trying to get off drugs? And you know, because I, he was like, I never asked you, how did you maintain when Mom was in, uh, in, 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 in the feds? And I, 
she was going mm-hmm. nine How months. long was she going? She was going nine months. And mm-hmm. um, how old were your my, kids when this happened? My oldest boy, he was about 11. My youngest son, he was about mm-hmm. six. Yeah, he was like, he was like, no, he was, he was seven. Okay. My oldest was 12. And so uh, both okay. of them, none of them could live with me. You know, I lived in the house in the dark. I stayed in the house because, I mean, mm-hmm. I was, oh, man, man. I mean, he took me back this morning. Wow. Say, man, look, I ain't thought about this in so long, but we had a home. We had a house in Houston. Yeah, I got a house. And, and um, you know, my wife ended up getting charged with that. And actually, when they found out, I was in, I was in rehab at the time when I got the call that the the U.S. Mm. Marshals, the, the feds had to went into the house. And uh, mm. my son asked me, you know, how, what was I doing during that time? And uh, I explained to him, I was like, well, you know, y'all had went back to live to New Orleans with your granny and your papa and because, you know, it wasn't, I wasn't fit as a parent, you know, to take care of them. And mm-hmm. so um, they went back to right. with them, and I was explaining to him this morning that he never knew. I said I stayed in that house. I was in the house in the dark with no lights for three months. For three months, I was in the house with no wow. with no lights. And he was like, "Wow, are you sir?" And during this time, I'm getting so loaded, and I'm selling everything, everything out the house. Going, mm-hmm. I'm selling all the clothes. My wife come back; her closet was empty. My closet hadn't got emptied out. My son's wow. closet hadn't got emptied out. I hadn't sold the games and the PlayStation and DVDs and um, surround sound. And I, I just sold everything, man. Everything I could possibly sell that I thought somebody would buy, I sold it. And um, so mm. that struggle was real hard, you know, um, leading up to the leading up to the point when I first tried heroin. Um, it was it was up and down and actually actually leading up to the first time I had tried heroin, I had never been to rehab. I had never been to a rehab. Actually, I was I was, I had an addiction, but I was what they call a functioning addict. You know how you got your functioning alcoholic who mm-hmm. can who can get up and go to work and produce for right. himself, you know, make his well, that's that's how I was. Mm-hmm. I was a functioning addict. I had a habit, but it didn't take me like that heroin took me. And now I was getting high every day, but I wasn't stealing nothing. I wasn't robbing nobody. But good God Almighty, when mm. I got my hands on the and I ended up on heroin in in February. Mm-hmm. February the eighth, February the nineteenth, two thousand and one. February two thousand, February nineteenth, two thousand one. That was the first day I tried heroin. I got I got married mm. on February the fourteenth, two thousand one. Mm-hmm. So. Actually, five wow. days after I got married, I brought that wife of mine through 19 years of peer hell. You hear me? I'm talking about 
I'm wow. talking about it takes how to tell you. Because when I tell you I cut up, man, say, man, no, man, mm. all glory be unto God because I've done some things. Mm-hmm. I've done some things I'm not happy about to this woman, man. And she never got mm-hmm. to really know me. She knew me. We, got, we, we met, fell in love, and got married all within six months. Got married and everything, right? And oh, wow. I can say to I can say right mm-hmm. now, to this day, glory be unto God. I love that woman, man. We closing up on twenty years, man, and we still together, right? And this mm-hmm. woman has stood by my wow. side through it all. Now I've been threatened. I didn't been called the police on, and all of these things. But when I tried that dope on that evening, and I only got it. Because I told you I used to smoke PCP. I used to smoke wet, right? Mm-hmm. And it was Mardi Gras Eve. Mm-hmm. And I, I wanted to, I wanted to um mm. I wanted to, to celebrate. I wanted to have fun. But I knew I didn't want no cocaine because it was gonna be hot that day. And I didn't want my eyes looking all big and looking all spook. I didn't want I didn't want no weed because that was wow. gonna make me all tired. And everything. I didn't want no weed. I didn't feel like being paranoid because if I take if I smoke weed, I got to smoke a little coke with it. I got to roll something up with it, right? I didn't want that. I didn't feel like drinking. And my dude had to rain out the PCP, so I'm asking my homeboy. I said, "Man, where I can find some dope?" At he said, "Dope for who?" And I lied. I said, "It's for a girl." Mm. Yes. Now, now, wow. look, I had never seen her wrong. I had never seen her wrong. Mm. And that was the first wow. day I got it. It took me about it took me it took me about nine hours to get it. Before, when I when I put the word out that I wanted, my partner, mm. it took him nine hours before he went and got the bag of dope. He got the bag of dope, he gave it to me, he said, Will, wow. if that's for this girl, like you said it is, you give this dope to her and don't you do it. Cause I told him I said he had some girls down here from Mardi Gras out of town mm. looking for some dope, right? He said, I'm I'm giving you this bag of dope. Mm-hmm. He said, Will. Don't you get loaded with that girl trying to get some of that pussy? Excuse my language, but you know, you're like, don't you get loaded with her trying to get up in, mm-hmm. in, in this woman? I say, man, I'm not, man, I'm not. The whole wallet. He so was you think he was warning you because he knew how addictive heroin was? Wow. He was on it. Mm, that's oh, why, wow, because he was he on knew it firsthand. That's so why he I knew firsthand because I had been asking him since eight thirty that morning. I didn't get it until about seven o'clock that night. Mm. So all day he had been dodging me. Wow. And I finally called him again. He's like, man, come on, bro. He was like, when I got around there, he came to the call. And I never forget. He like, said, bro, I swear, bro, if this don't, bro, if this, if this for you, I'm going to know about it. I'm going to know about it, bro. If you do this mm. here, I'm going to know about it. He said, he, he, he called me Lil William. He said, Lil William. He said, bro, I'm telling you, bro. Bro, don't, don't touch this, bro. I say I'm not. I'm going to give it to the LeBron, bro, straight up. He's like, all right. Man, I got away from him. I got home, and I snorted that dope. My life changed forever. It changed forever. It took me places I wow. thought I'd never go, did things I thought I'd never mm. do, and seen some things I thought I'd never see. Yes, it made me do what I had said in my wow. life that I would never do. And I come to realize in life, when you live it wrong and you say you will never do this, that's a yet that has yet to come. But if you keep going, you're going to be crossing that yet right. because you're going to end up doing it, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. You right. got a crack in the exactly. door. It's welcoming you. And right, uh, right. so my life, man, uh, up to that point when I did that heroin, 
it changed. It changed everything. It changed everything that I worked for. It changed everything that I stood for. I mean, it it demoralized my whole life. I mean, everything just plummeted. I watch. I, I mean, I watch. I watch me lose myself. You know, I lost everything that was mm-hmm. about me that I had been built up to that moment. Even though, like I said, I was getting loaded, but wow. I, it took me to a place in my life. Shit, man, when I think about that, it took me to a place in my life like, you know, <laughs> I don't know what word to describe it, but I, it was it was unreal. Mm-hmm. It was like, you know, you know, when people say, wow, uh, they, 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 they know there is a hell because they've been with the devil. Yeah, that's 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 what I believe. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt about it. I know there's a hell. Because I, I, I've sat on the side of Satan himself. You know, I've actually got to the point to where I remember praying and asking Satan to get me some dope and I and I do what he need me to do. I do whatever it is he need me to do throughout the day. Wow. And I never forget the first time I did that when we was in Houston. Mm-hmm. I was coming out of uh, I was coming out of a a food town store. Uh, it's called food food town grocery store. And and I went in there to try to steal some meat. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, 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 the guy noticed mm. me, but he didn't. Uh, he didn't arrest me. And I remember coming out of there, and I was so I wanted some dope so bad. And that was the first time I had crossed over, and I had actually said, "Satan, if you help me get me something today, man, you know, I'll pay the favor back." And I remember saying that. I remember, Lord knows, I remember pleading to wow. him to help me get some dope. And um and and sure enough, it happened. And then when it happened, you know, it became repetitive. Mm. Then, when that happened, right. it was a belief that I had. When I asked Satan for it, he was gonna give it to me. But it came at the expense every time. Wow! But mind you, I didn't care. I wanted to laugh now. I cry later. That was the mentality I had, you know. You know, I laugh now, I cry later. You know, long as I get what I wanted to have at the moment, man. And um, and from using that heroin, I attended a, 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 a rehab at least twice a year. Between, between prison and rehabs. Mm-hmm. Every year for the next 19. Every year from 2001. Mm-hmm to 2020 from 2001 to 2020 I shot my last dope my last shot on January the 10th of 2020 that was the last day I put a needle in my arm January the 10th 2020 so from the day I was married five days after I was married February the 19th of 2001. I got high up until January the 10th, 2020. Now, mind you, I had my little breaks because I was either in prison or I called myself going to rehab trying to get clean. Mm-hmm. You know. How many times do you think you, from starting heroin, how many times do you think, if you could count off the top of your head, that you went back and forth, you know, trying to get off of it and going to rehab and 
trying to seek treatment? Like, how many Boy, times that's did such you an think you went back and forth? Because guess what? I tried to find all my mm-hmm. paperwork from all the rehabs that I went in, right? Mm-hmm. The ones I do have, mm-hmm. I got 25 different rehabs that I went to, right? 25. And guess what? Check this out. Wow. From, from now, I'm a, I'm a, I'm now, the, the, the paperwork I have right now, I have 25 different discharge papers from rehabs that I went in. All right. Now, mind you, 2020, this year, I completed a program, right? I completed a program this year. So we're going to count this program and we're going to count the one, we're going to count 24, 24 back. You know what date that take you to? 2009, mm. man. Hmm. That was that was from 2009 wow. to 2020. I got 25 dis- discharges. Mm. 25. Now we ain't talking about from 01 to 09 because I couldn't find them. I'm talking about from 2009 to 2020. Right, right. 25 different facilities wow. that I went in, man. Well, I'm not gonna say 25 different because a lot of them I went two or three times, but I got 25 discharge plans over the mm-hmm. course of time from 2009 through your through your back and forth you know and the relapses what's the longest you think like if you have to go back in time off the top of your head what's the longest period you had where you had a period you know where you fought it and you wasn't dealing with the addiction but then you relapsed like what's the longest period one thing we gonna know then remember this here Anybody that's in recovery, if they mm-hmm. work in the program, right, they're going to tell mm-hmm. you they clean date mm-hmm. because it's like their birthday. They're going to know it off the off of hand. They're going to they gonna know the mm-hmm. last time they right, shot right. the dope, drunk the beer, popped the pill, mm-hmm. smoked the weed, snorted mm-hmm. the coke, whatever it was they did, they'll be able to tell you the last day they did it and where they were at. They will be able to tell you if they had a relapse, the length of time they had, and guess what? I'm it's, this going to be so big because the longest length of time I had clean, I'm talking on the street, on mm-hmm. the street, no prison, out of rehab, one year in two days. Mm-hmm. One year, and so you know, you know, oh, this, wow. this, this one here, mm. I'm, look, this one big for me. Because look, I gotta capitalize on this. Right. Because I, I look at I look at I look at the stats. That's why I say I speak to how I speak today when people ask mm-hmm. me, you know, what's different? And I can say, we're gonna have to find out. Right. We're gonna we're gonna do this thing day by day because see, right. I know right. that year and them two days, it lay it's it's lying down the head and, and I wanna be able to grab it and pass it, you know. But statistics show that. I've always failed somewhere in between this range, in between the time I got now, which is four months, and somewhere between that year, I always mm-hmm. tend to fall. Now, that's what statistics show for me, my personal stats. Mm-hmm. That's what it shows. Right. I've never exceeded a year in two days right. on the streets. On the streets, mm-hmm. I've never exceeded that. You know? So, 
uh, one day at a time, man. And you know what? I don't even think about that. You know, not saying that it ain't in my mind because I know it is. And not saying right. that, you know, the, the, right. the thought of the, uh, of the warrior, the fear don't rise up in my mind because, you know, I know how, you know, I know how I take off and I know how when I get up in the air and I level off and I'm at an altitude where I'm flying, I know there are going to be some air pockets, you know. I know I'm going to hit a pocket. I, I already know mm. this because it, it, it happens. In recovery, it happens because right. just because, you know, I was talking to my son about this this morning. Just because I'm clean and I'm sober, that don't mean I'm riding on a pink cloud every day. You know, that don't mean that. That don't mean that. Right. But what it does mean is that mm-hmm. no matter what happens in my life, if I don't use drugs, I had an awesome ass day. I had an awesome ass day. If I don't right. pick up, I don't care what happened in my life. If I don't pick up no drugs or alcohol, I had an awesome ass day. I had an awesome, uh, awesome day. So, mm. you know, I know that, see, I'm not responsible for the thought. I'm responsible for the action that followed the thought. Because the thought, <laughs> they come and go. You know, thoughts come and go. Your most holiest individual wow. may have such a sinful thought. They have a thought. Now, what they do after the thought, they're responsible for that. See, I'm responsible for the action that follow my thought because I'm not going to sit here and tell you, oh, I don't think about getting high. Oh, I don't think about a drink. I don't think about a nice daiquiri with some frog. Right. Hell yeah. Hell yeah, I think mm-hmm. about that. But right, the reality right. is, is this. Once I finish that daiquiri, I need to pull that lid off because in the bottom of that cup is a needle in the bag of heroin. Yeah, man. So, mm. uh, but uh, wow. it's it's a tedious, it's a process, man. And, you know, I, like I said, I failed many times. I did, man. I failed many times to the point I used to shoot up hope and mm-hmm. I died. Mm-hmm. You know? You know, it was times that I was found and I was mm, I because wow. it was a peaceful death. I didn't even know it. I didn't even know I was unconscious. I mm-hmm. didn't even know when I got rushed right. to the hospital, I had 35% oxygen left in my body and a nurse and the doctors around me when they revived me. And they say, son, if the, if the person who brought you here would have caught one red light, do you understand you would be dead? That's all they needed was one red light. You had 35% oxygen wow. left in your body. Mm. 35%, but the dope's so powerful, right? Wow. It's calling me so hard, right? As soon as I get discharged, I go right back looking for that same dope. I want that same dope. Wow. I want that same dope that just damn near killed me. They say the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. Because for some reason, I thought the result would be different. Wow. If I put my scientific studies down on it, I might can adjust this thing and maybe this time I hit it, I can get that good high instead of that overdose. You know? Oh yeah, man. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. But mm-hmm. it's a tedious, it's very tedious. It's, it can be stressful, strenuous, and but it's a process and, you know, it takes willingness, you know, along along with the work. It takes willingness, man. And that's right. why, you know, I advocate so 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 hard, man, and I, I pound that on my children. My children, I don't hide none from them. 
I give it to them. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's explicit because you know why? I want them to know. I, 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 and I used to always ask God, you know, I pray that what I went through, and in which I knew it wasn't in vain, but it was to whereas not only people who who listen to me on the on, on, on the on the social networks or uh, the Addiction Matters show, but for my children to be able to see me and see how it was, because they saw me now. Oh, my children, yeah, both of them, both of them. No, everybody mm-hmm. with my daughter. She, she. Well, I ain't gonna even say that because she actually, right. she actually experienced it. But I don't know if she had an idea what was going on because we was in the truck one time and I jumped out. I jumped out the truck and because they didn't want to stop me, mm-hmm. my wife, and my daughter, and and and, and my wife's dad. We was all in the car together. We was they was taking me, uh, taking me to the hospital, taking me to a treatment center, and I wanted some more dope before I got ready to go. So mm-hmm. they was begging me to get in the truck, right? And I'm trying to walk away. Wow. So I finally got in the truck. And so I knew the street, we was finna, we was finna drive past the area where I knew I could go and get me a bag of dope. And I knew they wasn't going to stop. I knew they wasn't going to stop. So uh, I mm-hmm. had to go up, and, right? And my daughter sitting in between me, she grabbing me, she crying. And, man, this is how real this shit is, man. To the point you don't care. Man, my daughter baby. Mm-hmm. Begging me, right, Daddy? Daddy, don't do it, Daddy. Daddy, you got to go to the hospital, Daddy. Man, see when that that truck mm-hmm. came because we stopped right there. The 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 park was right around the corner from the light where I knew I could go get some dope at. See when that car stopped, I jumped out, jumped out, and when I jumped out, I started throwing up though. So they look mm. at me, I'm throwing up. My wife jumped out the car like, "Don't will come on, dude. Look at your daughter, man. Look." I took off jogging. I knew she right. was one mind, so I took off jogging. I went in the park, saw somebody. I ain't had no money, but you know, these people I know, I'm always coming through. So I'm like, man, look, let me get something. Let me hold, give me something. Mm-hmm. So he gave me something. And when he gave it to me, that daddy come around the corner in the car. They pull up. They knew I hadn't got nothing. My whole mood and changed and everything. I get in the car and shit. Um, they bring me to the place, but before I go in there, you know, I, I I do myself up, you know. I do myself up. I go in there. I stay in there about a week, and I'm back out. Wow. I'm back out looking stupid, trying to get back to the house. And now, you know, my wife didn't call. My uh, other people, my mom and them letting know, look, Will, and checked out. And, and I don't know what he up to, but don't let him come to your house. I'm just letting y'all know he's out. She called my parole officer, and you know, all that down, man, and, uh, you know, but that's mm. going to be the risk. And, you know, it, you really don't be caring, man. You don't. Right. You know, you, you, you really don't, man. And that shit is a, is, is, is yeah. a, it, it hurts. It hurts. It really does, man, when you look back over the harm, you know, that you cause, you know, to individuals, man, and that roller coaster up and down trying to get clean, man. Um, Sometimes you go in and you make it, and you come back out. But you, 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 the the relapse always mm-hmm. occurs when you continue to associate yourself with the the people, the places, and the things. If see, see, I could, I could, I could. If if I don't right. change my behavior, nothing changes. You're right because see, I could be sober, 
But if I still demonstrate those same the same behaviors that I did when I was getting high, I'm 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 due a relapse. I'm doomed for another relapse, you know. And and you know you have reservations when you right. begin to associate. What I look, it, it's like I tell people, okay, I don't do dope, right? So if I ain't doing no dope. What I'm hanging off in the what I'm hanging off around there in the park for with these niggas that's doing dope and selling dope. I okay, my hood or whatever, right? But why am I hanging there? What 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 sense does it make for me mm. to go into a trap house? I'm in recovery though. What sense does right. it make for me to go into a dope house, man? What sense does it make for me to even go to a club, man? When I know the environment, you feel what I'm saying? See, you know, people, people, you know, mm-hmm. you hear people say they're right, of the right. environment. You know, you put yourself in that environment because you don't necessarily have to be in that environment. You don't. You know, you have a choice. You have an option, you know, to be there. Right. And I had reservations. So that's why I would always go back. Always. I would always go back. You know, my thing was challenging myself. I used to like mm-hmm. to challenge myself, right? Wow. Don't talk about once I get my weight up. Because mind you, I, I I I get stretched out on dope. I get down about, mm, about 155. You know, I top out at like 202. That's my max. My perfect mm, weight is 195. Wow. So on this last rip, I I, mm-hmm. went, I, checked, I remember going into the rehab on this mm-hmm. last one. When I got weighed in, I weighed in at 154. All my jaws were sucked in, right? And so my thing used to be wow. when I got out, I got mm. my weight back up. I'm looking good. I'm well groomed. I'm smelling good. I'm I'm feeling good by myself. I I won't go show it off now. I won't go hang back by my partners. You know, I won't mm-hmm. go see the old right. neighborhood. Let them see I'm mm. doing good. You know, not knowing. Little do I know. Right. Know? Yeah, you're gonna be back, but not back how you thinking you're gonna be back. You know, so. And it's always about, you know, um, being knowing your motive, man, because I got to tell you right now, man, that everything I do has a motive behind it. Right. But I have to be aware of what my motive is. Mm -hmm. What are my intentions now that I I come on this show? Right. What are 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 my intentions? Because, see, I got intentions. On being on this podcast, on Q podcast right now, I have intentions. My intentions are hopefully right. someone to get the message that I come to bring, and the message is to let them know that any addict, any alcoholic, can, can stop doing drugs, can stop doing drugs and find a new way to live. That's the message I come to bring. You know, I come to mm. tell you about my story. Rough, rugged, right. raw, transparent at its finest, holding back nothing, nothing, because I do strongly believe that right. we are as sick as our secrets. We are as sick as our secrets. So my mm-hmm. intention on yes. coming on Q Podcast was to be able to open up and allow individuals, men, women, children, whoever may be tuning in, to know that there is hope. You're not the only one going through what you're going mm-hmm. through. Okay? Because if God done it for me, he'll do it for you. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. So that is my purpose for coming on here. Right. So that a brother or sister may see this and be like, you know what? 
maybe I can start peeling some of this onion back. You know, start peeling some of this stuff I've been mm. holding, letting some of this luggage right. go. I've been holding, I've been holding on to a lot of stuff. I've been having a lot of grudge and animosity mm-hmm. toward this. I've been in, I've been in seek, I've been in hidden places because I don't want to expose this part of my life. Or I don't want to talk about this because I'm in fear of who may say what or say something against me or how they may feel or may look toward me if I let them know my darkest secrets. But them dark secrets gonna kill you. Mm-hmm. Them, them, them dark secrets right. gonna keep you in bondage. Them yes, dark secrets will. gonna keep you in the prison of your own mind. See, mm. my intentions on this Q-Pie is to hopefully open the gate to someone else's prison. Right? Because I've always been told that you share your story mm-hmm. and don't be afraid or ashamed of what you've been through because you may hold the key to somebody else's prison cell. Right? So that's 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 what I that's wow. what you know I, I, I feel I'm called to do, man. And I just try to keep it so thorough. You know, sometimes some people could ask me something and they may be like, oh Lord, he went to be no, yeah. I don't I don't know. Cause they see one thing about me, which you gonna you gonna realize is that I don't hold nothing back. And I don't I don't I don't there is no secret because you won't never be able right. to say something about will that somebody else don't know. Cause God damn it. I want the world to know if it happened to me, I'm going to tell you it happened to me. My life is right. an open book. You know why? Because it sets me more free mm-hmm. every day. I talk about it every day, every day. I talk about it and see, yes. I want people to just gravitate to what it is I'm saying. And I want them to know that, man, you can do this. You sitting on them secrets right now. You know, you 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 hiding yourself. You shame. There's no need to be shamed. There's none. When I was a child, those things happened, of course. Right. Of course. But guess what? I was powerless. I was taken advantage of. It wasn't mm. my fault. It wasn't my right. fault. And it wasn't and your for fault. Years, I would not talk about it because I was too shamed. I was too ashamed. Like, man, you know, how can I, mm-hmm. what, what my friends going to think if they hear? This is one thing telling it to a stranger, but how, how my family and my, my loved ones, what they going to think? What my homeboys going to be like? They going to think, God damn, will a dude mm-hmm. held you down and inserted himself in you? What? What they going to think about me? Will they think I'm gay? Well, I got, I'm having all these thoughts. I'm having all these feelings. You know, but I found myself mm-hmm. becoming free right. as I begin to talk about it. God damn, and I promise you, when it happened, it just happened. I did not, I never forget when I first broke it out, it was not planned. It wasn't planned. I was in a counseling session when I tell you this counselor, right? Oh my lord, she I don't know how she did what she did, but when she did it, she like sucked it out of me and it was like the words was coming out and I was trying mm. to pull them back in, right? But them suckers kept on spinning. Right. <laughs> they just kept on jumping out. Mm-hmm. I'm like, hold up, hold up, hold up. And, right. and they just coming. And man, I noticed the relief afterwards. And that is part one of this amazing episode with Mr. William Poole. 
make sure that you guys tune in to next week to part two of this amazing journey that Mr. Poole is sharing with us. As I mentioned, in honor of Mr. George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, all the Black Kings, I am dedicating the entire month of June to Black Kings for the Q chat. So please tune in next week and remember, Black Lives Matter.